When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the weekend edition of Daily Thrones. I've got a wedding to attend to later tonight, so we'll see if I get all the broadcasting done here on Friday. But this is a Friday, Saturday, Sunday connective thread edition of Daily Thrones. We do it every weekend, talking a Song of Ice and Fire, talking Game of Thrones. And all week, we have been talking about our, our secondary characters, our third, fourth, fifth tier characters. Who will come back? Or who do we want to come back? To have a say, have a have a point, have a purpose in the final fight, in the final season. Sometimes it's dreamy, a fantasy, a fan fiction desire. Other times it seems kind of logical. We've talked about Dario, Salador San, Edmir, Tully, Dolores, Ed, the night uh, the night watch commander. It's so I'm so happy for Ed that he still has that job. We've talked about Quaith, but how about this? What if? The man we know as Jagan Hagar. What if he comes back? What if he shows up again in season eight? Now, I will say his arc on the show is complete. He showed back up in Arya's life. Whoever he is, we don't really know. He helped her. He taught her, coached her, mentored her, was mean to her. Was a good cop, bad cop teacher to her. And then... Seemed to be happy when she walked away from it all with maybe a better future. Maybe that was his plan all along. Jagan Hagar is mysterious. Now, a little bit different on the show. The fact that he returned, not so much in the books. But then again, we don't know what those faceless men. We don't know who they really are. So, I like that he's back. But again, I thought it was. I thought his story was complete. But I was sitting there thinking, who else would I want to come have come back into season eight and see one more time and it would be Jagan Hagar does he show up help Arya uh, is he like Galadriel showing up in Lord of the Rings here I give you this gift one more gift to use in the final fight or does he show up and save Arya in a tight spot where she th- seems like uh, she's about to get it and all of a sudden someone steps in saves her takes off his face and it's Jagan Hagar and he winks and he's gone again I don't know but I wouldn't mind seeing Jaganagar one more time. A man would like to see him again. What do you guys think? And what are some other characters you want to have come back? Yeah, they have to be alive. We have to know they're alive. But let me know here on Daily Thrones. So we're going deep cuts on minor characters. I'm going back to my tried and true Bernadette. If Bernadette is not a faceless man, which of course I've I've speculated for a long time, then Cersei might use her as as a, a decoy in very much the same way and across streams. Padme Amidala used to use uh, her handmaids as uh, duplicates and decoys. Uh, every season, Bernadette changes her look to match Cersei. Uh, they're not the same size, but sitting in a throne or from a distance or in the dark. Uh, Bernadette could look like somebody, and maybe that's who Arya kills before the actual faceless man kills Arya in King's Landing. So that's my pick. That that Bernadette, there's something wrong with her. There's something something not right. Let's figure it out. Thanks. 
Oh, Bernadette, could she be the key to defeating Cersei? This isn't the first time we've talked about Bernadette on Daily Thrones. Kevin, over at Three Cocktail Questions, as you can hear, has a deep theory that Bernadette, Cersei's handmaiden, who's been around for a very long time, changed her hairstyle to match Cersei's and has seemingly been very, very loyal to our favorite queen, could be part of a bigger plot. And it's interesting. And I like it. And it's a good good answer to the question of what secondary and second-tier characters do you want to see back in season eight and maybe factor to into the end and i'm thinking about the night king and the war for the dawn and the battle of winterfell or whatever it's going up in the cold cold north but down there in the south we got to get out cersei right she's got to lose some power and maybe her handmaiden could be the key i do like the idea if Arya is still interested i don't know if she is but going south going to king's landing killing bernadette taking her face and that puts you right close to cersei cersei was on Arya's list we'll see if Arya still has that list we'll see if Arya still wants to have that list she seemed to change her tune and changed her mind after that fateful meeting with hot pie another character we might want back and nymeria and her pack of wolves and headed back home to take her rightful place as a stark she's definitely no longer no one but does the power the energy the quest for revenge burn deep inside Arya. does she still want to cross cersei off her list bernadette could be a way to do it what do you guys think of cersei's handmaiden could she be back in season eight with a purpose let us know here on daily thrones all right so i am heading out to a wedding and if you followed the show last year you know i went to a lot of weddings including a game of thrones themed wedding and we love talking about weddings as game of thrones fans they're very important a lot happens at weddings whether it's your enemy being taken out uh whether it's your king an enemy being taken out or whether it's in secret and another marriage is annulled and your son is the one true king that we all one day learn about his true purpose, including him. Weddings are important. So as I head to another wedding and end my broadcast day, I want to ask this question. Are we ready for more weddings in Game of Thrones? Do we have room for another wedding in Game of Thrones? It could be. Could be the case. I know we got this big war to deal with. I know we got to settle things south in King's Landing with Cersei. But maybe someone along the way will fall in love and we'll have time for a quick Game of Thrones wedding. Could it be Hot Pie and Arya? Could it be Gendry and Arya? That'd be a little weird. Could it be John and Danny? That'd be a little weird, right? I think a lot of people would be happy. What if it's Jamie and Brienne? What if... Towards the end of this show, both these characters survive. I know we were talking about undead Jamie and all that stuff earlier on, but what if they survive? What if they finally fall in love? It all clicks in. The end of the world has been held off, or maybe the end of the world is still near. And Jamie realizes all along this was who he was supposed to be with. This is his one true love. And Bran, the maiden fair, is not one anymore. Wouldn't we all shed a tear? Wouldn't we be happy for them? Yes, I think we would. I think Brienne has done quite well on her own. It'd be a great uh, reward for Jamie for his redemption. Whether or not you think he deserves that or not might be a different conversation. But that could be 
the last wedding we get in Game of Thrones. Unless it's like Bran and an eagle. Or maybe it's the Night King and, and Lady Stoneheart. I don't know. Maybe that's how Stoneheart returns. What do you guys think? Do we have room for one more wedding in Game of Thrones? Do we have the bandwidth? Do we have the capacity to stop and press pause on the final wars and celebrate love? Wouldn't be a big wedding, especially if it's Jamie Brand. It could be something on the side. Find me a maester. I could be on board for that. What do you guys think? Let me know here on Daily Thrones as I head off to yet another wedding. But we love weddings. We love celebrating But I always keep one careful eye on the band. Weekend edition of Daily Thrones rolls on. I survived the wedding and the weekend edition of Daily Thrones rolls on. Fun time, fun wedding. There was a live band and I kept my eye on them the entire night. They are known as the Spasmatics. They're kind of well known. They did not pull out any crossbows and shoot at anybody. We were okay. The wedding was a good time. A lot of fun. But we were talking earlier in the weekend edition here about maybe one more wedding in Game of Thrones. And I'm looking at Brienne of Tarth and Jamie Lannister, the Kingslayer. Maybe they'll come together and find love. But there could be an interesting wrinkle to that. And Kevin's called in with that idea. Hey, Ken, Kevin Ross. Uh, because you're going to a wedding and talking about love, let's let's do a little shipping here. Let's 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 have a little triangle nobody's really talking about. I like the Jamie Bernadette angle, but not as a wedding, but as a a single evening of of quiet reflection as warriors getting ready to embrace the dark and the fight. Uh, these two spend a qu- some quiet private time together, but because the TV show and we have to have drama. Maybe Tormund catches them, and suddenly there's jealousy that takes place out of Tormund. And Jamie doesn't understand that this guy has feelings for her. Uh, for her. They, they haven't re- never really met before. Uh, but you could have a dynamic on the battlefield where Tormund may not exactly help Jamie when an opportunity may or may not take place. Just something to think about. Thanks. All right, so Kevin's called in with this idea of this love triangle, and I do like it. He he misspoke and said Bernadette because we've been talking about Bernadette, Cersei's handmaiden, so much here the last couple of days on Daily Thrones. He, of course, met Brienne of Tarth. Yeah, Brienne of Tarth, Jamie Lannister, and Tormund Giantsbane. We can't forget Tormund. Now, Tormund's affection for Brienne is, is, is definitely one-sided, definitely not uh, on her radar screen, it would seem. She hasn't... Uh, chosen to look deeper into the heart of Tormund. It's a infatuation on Tormund's side, at least right now. Though I think his aim is true. I think he has some really, f- really strong feelings there. He's been around her enough to know. But let's say Tormund and Brienne have more of interactions, uh, and then Tormund's feeling it. His love is growing, and then up comes Jamie Lannister to woo away Tormund's precious Brienne of Tarth. Now, we don't want Game of Thrones to turn into some, uh, you know, Kate Hudson, Catherine Heigl romantic comedy in its final year, but there would be kind of humor and romance are are on the show, clearly. So to have this kind of weave its way through the final episodes, I could be interested in seeing what rough and gruff Tormund does when pretty boy Jamie Lannister comes riding into camp with his gold hand and sweeps Brienne off her feet. How could Tormund deal with that? I don't think he would deal with that. 
So to Kevin's point, on the battlefield, maybe it comes into play. Again, we got bigger things to worry about with the Night Dragon and his the Night King and his Ice Dragon. The Night Dragon. Well, I guess the Night King's on his Night Dragon. Uh, we got the Army of the Dead. They're all coming down. That's where the focus is. But hey, during these battles, we sometimes have little sl- subplots play out. Maybe this love triangle, this bizarre love triangle will take place. I do like the idea, though, that Kevin's proposing that maybe we don't have time for a wedding with Brian and Jamie. Maybe we don't really have a need, but maybe there is one night, maybe a night of unbridled passion before war, or like you said at the beginning of that statement, Kevin, the quiet reflection of their past, their history, their journey to get to this point. Brian and Jamie, one more moment, perhaps on the eve of battle, would have a lot of meaning to it. And that might be all we get, and that might be all we need for their story. Just a little interview with Peter Dinklage. Thanks to Kevin from Three Cocktail Questions tipping me off to this little interview on Variety. Dinklage and some other performers promoting a project now. But of course, whenever Game of Thrones the actor, no matter what they're doing or talking about, whenever they're promoting, the questions always turn to Game of Thrones. And there was questions to Dinklage about, does he feel sad about the show ending. And of course, Dinklage, who's it's rather serious, at least in these interviews, seems to be a bit dour, more Stannis than Tyrion in real life, um, said that, of course, yeah, it's bittersweet. It's rare to find such a great group, group of people. It happens from time to time in your career, and that's part of the problem of the Hollywood business. and the Hollywood business machine, you ha- eventually have to move on from those good people, especially if it's a TV show. They spent so long together, uh, you know, so it, it does strike a chord. But he did say something that I, I agree with, and I want to get your guys' thought on that. Um, this idea that uh, he says it's time, it's time for the show to end, not just for the lives of the actors, but for the story itself and the TV show. And he, he referenced, uh, you know, shows uh, eventually will hit the jump the shark moment. You don't want to stay around too long. And I actually agree with that. And and season seven was an example of kind of the conflict. It, it was shorter by episodes. It moved around so fast that a lot of people were at least puzzled with it or missed the old days where we had time to travel down the King's Road. Or he just did upset some people about how fast it was and how quickly plots seemed to be tied up. Jorah comes to mind. And season eight, though the episodes are longer, we only have six of them to go through. So... Part of that leads you to think of, man, I wish we had more time. I wish we had 10 episodes per season. Uh, I know the producers initially said they wanted 70 hours to tell their story, and they're going to get far more than that when this is all said and done. But as a fan, you kind of want more. But I think you have to remove yourself from time to time from this kind of stuff and just agree. I agree with what Dinklage is saying. Uh, This is the right time for the show to go. Eight seasons is plenty. And we're getting the story we need. We're getting the big points. It was already shortened and adapted from the books. Meaning so much was cut out. If we had had more of a down-to-the-fine-hairs adaptation of those books... We'd still be going. This could be 15 years. And it just, I just don't think it works. I don't think I want it that long. It's too intense in a way. 
this is this is more uh, easy to digest. Eight seasons, eight years, and actually really closer to nine when it's all said and done. It's a long time, and it's quite an investment. Bring on the prequels, the spinoffs, the other projects, the books. We'll have that longer version of the story. But I agree with Inklage. It is the right time to end the show. Let's not have this stay around too long. Let's end it with the same passion, energy, and intensity that the show introduced itself with. What do you guys think? Let me know. Hey, Ken. Um, in your response to Jeff's question, you, you brought up a, a character I, I kind of thought about. Um, what about, uh, as far as coming back for season eight and the final, what about Rosalind Frey? Now, do I think she's coming back and we'll see her again? No, but with all of her family basically dead, isn't she basically the head now of House Frey? And it could be possible, you know, if Edmure is freed, maybe he, you know, he joins back up with her and maybe we would see them both. Um, I think that would actually be pretty cool. So could there be a return also of Rosalind? We've been talking about Edmure Tully and his possible return to the series. Do we need him? Do we want him? All those good questions. But what about Rosalind Frey, his wife? Uh, now possibly Rosman, uh, Rosalind uh, Tully. Could we see her come back? Yeah, I think we could. I think we could because if you go back to the beginning of Season 7 and Arya Stark taking out her revenge on the Freys, it was all the men. She left the women. She left the handmaids that were there, the servant girls that were there, and told, uh, what was it, uh, good old Walder Frey's new wife to tell everybody what's happened here. And I think that was Arya's way of not erasing the Freys or the Frey name, just the bad men that ruled the family and ruled the twins. So you could see a resurgence of power there. And maybe that's part of what the end of the series is. Not just uh, the change for Westeros, but maybe some of the houses go through changes and emerge on the other side. If, you know, if the world is still standing at the end of all this. So maybe the Frey line goes on, but with people like Roslyn, uh, uh, Frey slash Tully at the head of it. I could see it happen. I don't need her to come back for a giant plot point. She just needs to be there at the end. So could Rosalind Frey return? Could Edmund Tully return? I actually think it's a safer bet that Rosalind could. What do you guys think here on Daily Thrones? Ken, we know that Jamie is on his way north to help in the defense against the Army of the Dead. But do you think Jamie will even be welcome? If he makes it all the way north to Winterfell, with the Northerners there, knowing who he is, knowing what he's all about, do you think he will even be? Do you think his help will even be accepted? Despite the fact that I'm sure he will plead with him, saying, "I am here to keep my oath. I promised that I would help defend, so I'm here to do that." Do you think anyone will even take it for his word? Do you think they even care? I am on the fence. No, I'm not. I'm thinking, no, they're not going to believe him at all. Let's keep talking, Jamie. It's a rich field to mine there, that old Kingslayer. Mark from Mark Talk here on Anchor calling in with this uh, fair idea. And I, I, we think we've mentioned it before, but let's discuss it head on here on Daily Thrones. This idea of Jamie's heading north. He's left King's Landing. He's, he's left Cersei. I don't know what his plan is. I don't know where his mind is at. But if he heads north, 
joins the fight, will it be, well, will they reject him? And I think at the end of the day, the answer is no. As long as Jon Snow, or Aegon Targaryen, has a say in it. I really, really think Jon Snow, the man who joined the Wildings and learned to call them free folk and then let them go south beyond the wall, the man that almost became any enemies with Daenerys Targaryen and then bent the knee and even shared the bed. I think Jon Snow, the kid who joined the Night's Watch because he was pretty much rejected by his family, particularly his adoptive mother, so to speak. Uh, Catelyn was barely that. He goes to the Night's Watch and takes in Sam. He takes in kind of the uh, broken, bastard, crippled people of the, of, of the land. And Jamie is not necessarily that. There's a lot of uh, power and privilege still there with Jamie, But he's a bit of a broken man. He's a potentially really changed man. And at a time when it's kind of an all-hands-on-deck situation, I could see Jon Snow seeing the need for him. Now, if he's not changed, maybe he kills him. Or promises to kill him. Much like he promised to kill Melisandre if she returns. That's another question when she returns. So, I think... Jamie Lannister will run into some problems when he tries to join the big battle and join the teams up north. But I think in the end, Jon Snow will accept the Kingslayer into the ranks. Hey, Ken. So I just finished listening to your post about Jock and Agar coming back. You know I'm a huge fan of that idea. We only have six episodes left, so I likely don't see it happening, but I would still love for it to happen. Um, then I listened to Kevin's call. And Kevin's call got me thinking even more about Bernadette possibly being a faceless man and being a body double for Cersei. Is there any chance that we get kind of this plot that we all see coming or hope that's coming with Arya heading to King's Landing? And she, you know, kind of proceeds with this elaborate plan to assassinate Cersei. And immediately upon killing who she thinks is Cersei, we see the face reveal and it's Jock and Hagar. Is there any possibility of that? My reason being that the Iron Bank... Kind of, at this point, it's established they'll do anything for Cersei because the gold is good, is kind of the way it seems. Um, and I know that the Iron Bank has the favor with the Faceless Men, so I'd love to know what you think, if there's any possibility that that might happen. Thanks for taking the call, and have a great day. Hey, Ken. So I'm just thinking about Jock and Nagar again, as I tend to whenever the conversation comes up, because I really subscribe to the Rhaegar Targaryen theory for Jock and Nagar. I, I don't know why, I just, I believe that he will say he is Rhaegar Targaryen, and in my mind, after this conversation about Bernadette, I finally got this scene in my mind. Is there any chance that Arya goes to, to King's Landing to assassinate Cersei, and in doing so, assassinates her body double in Bernadette, who then reveals, through the Faceless Mask, to have been Jacques and Hagar, and possibly have been... Uh, hired by the Iron Bank to protect Cersei, as we know the Iron Bank has some kind of curried favor with the Faceless Men. Um, so that's my thought, but we get the touching scene at the House of Black and White of Arya saying she's not no one, she's Arya Stark. Is there any chance that we get the same thing as she's just almost taken his life? Is there any chance we get the bittersweet moment of him telling Arya Stark, I'm not no one, I'm Rhaegar Targaryen? I think that would be great. Love to know what you think. 
The weekend edition of Daily Thrones rolls on with our Jagan Hagar block. Let's have some crazy theories about Jagan Hagar. Maybe Bernadette, Cersei's handmaiden, all of those. I put a couple calls up from Thomas. He uh, called twice, but I think was kind of re-editing some of his ideas. But I wanted to toss it all up there because it's good and juicy and paints an interesting scene. Now, I still think this kind of stuff, these uh, big theories in Season 8 are interesting for... Just, well, interesting theories are interesting, but too interesting because I'm still focused on it. Maybe I'm just speaking for myself. I'm still focused on season eight being all about the Night King and the battle and what's going to happen there. But I don't think we can overlook the rest of the world and the rest of the story and the rest of the politics. I would not be surprised if the war with the Night King is just part of the season, not something that goes the entire course of six episodes. So these theories about Cersei and Arya going down to finish the job and how it might connect to the Faceless Men, it it holds some water for me. You know, the Iron Bank and the Faceless Men are connected. There's weird things afoot in Bravos, And they're powerful. So would the Faceless Men be willing to be paid to protect Cersei, to stand in for Cersei? And could Bernadette be a part of that? I think in the end, Bernadette is just a very valuable assistant. Uh, Bib Fortuna, a major domo to Jabba the Hutt. So, yes, I just called Cersei Jabba the Hutt. Don't tell her I said that. It's more attitude than anything, right? Um, but I think Bernadette will just be that, an assistant. I don't think we'll, we'll get much more on her than that. But she's, she's, just, she's interesting. She's definitely highlighted. You def- there's definitely a story there to that character. Um, but will it evolve into something more, something involving the Faceless Men? I don't think so, but the scene that Thomas has painted here, a little bit of poetry, to have Jagannagar tell Arya that, well, he is someone. It's Rhaegar Targaryen, or connected to Rhaegar. That's, that's interesting. And I like the idea that Arya wouldn't be done necessarily with the Faceless Men. That the lessons learned, that she carries on, uh, maybe those are one things, but maybe there's still consequences for what happened over in Bravos for her walking away. Maybe Jagan Hagar or the man or the face that who is J- who is Jagan Hagar uh, has forgiven her, but maybe others wouldn't. It's kind of weird that there's only Jagan and the waif there, at least on the show deal with Arya. So, could it all come intertwined? Could Arya's past still be part of her future? We shall see. We shall see. But, I'm interested in these kind of theories. I'm interested for theories outside the big war that's coming in Season 8. And, I'm interested if Jagannagar is showing back up. I think that'd be cool. I'm buying in. Some weird, random thoughts, part of the weekend edition here on Daily Thrones. Ken, I'm hearing all these cool theories about uh, Jock and Nagar and the Faceless Men of putting in a double for Cersei, perhaps, and um, having the Faceless Men potentially be in favor of Cersei, you know, because payment is made and the gold is good. But here's the thing where I don't think I can quite abide that theory, at least if Jockin is involved in that way. I don't think Jockin 
would do anything to screw over Arya because I think Jockin has an affinity for Arya. I think that's the whole reason he smiles at her when she decides she's going to leave Bravos and go home. Jockin cares about her in spite of himself. I really think that. I don't think he'd fight against her. Hey, Ken, another character I think we could very well see again in season eight. Uh, that's Robin Aaron. You know, he's, he's now, you know, he's the head of the veil. And, you know, he's a character, yes, I do find him annoying. I always did, even from season one. But I do feel bad for him because when you look at how he was raised, which raised, which w just wasn't exactly normal, you kind of understand why he is the way he is. So, although I found him annoying, I, I did also feel bad for him because, you know, it wasn't his fault with how he was raised. I mean, you know, his mother was just nuts, but he's definitely a character I could definitely see uh, appearing in season eight. Good Lord Robin of the Vale, come back into the story? I think so. It would make some sense. Now, I know we've been talking about stories outside of the final big battle against the Night King in Season 8, but uh, I'm still focused on it. I'm still looking at it realistically. And I'm sure in the books it's going to be more widespread and deeper in the battle. We'll get a bigger sense of the battle. But right now, I, I, I'm, I'm fascinated with the idea that the battle isn't just about the Night King going to Winterfell or King's Landing. He's got to take over a lot of places. He's going to move on down the Last Earth, the Umbers. They're in the way. Uh, Dreadfort. You know, look, I don't need to see the Night King and the Battle of Molestown, but there, uh, there are different places for him to take and people there to fight. Unfortunately, they're not going to last long, but, you know, uh, these battles must take place. We were talking earlier about Castle Black and the, the remaining uh, Men of the Night's Watch. And the Vale is, you know, historically a... Uh, great place for defense. You can hold up there, and unless you got a dragon, uh, unless your opposing army's got a dragon, you're okay. Now, the Night King does have a dragon. We know this. But if he's going to take the time to fly up there, does that buy time from other people? There's a lot of questions. And uh, does an army of undead, I'm sure they'd uh, have an easier time of taking the veil than another army, but I also don't think uh, a... Uh, an army of whites would find it any easier to get past the bloody gate or to climb up to the veil. You'd still have uh, a way of defending yourself. And if uh, whether it comes from uh, the, the, the studies of the maesters or whether it comes from what Samuel Tarley can bring to the, the page, uh, bring, bring to the table, uh, Bran, Melisandre, whoever's got strategies and starts saying, here's some strategies to defeat these armies, and one of those strategies we know is Danny on her dragons burning things up. So, if the battle were to shift to the veil in any way, uh, I would be very curious to see how it plays out. And that would mean that Lord Robin Aaron would need to be in the story and factor in. The Knights of the Veil uh, last were really seen over in the Battle of the Bastards, but who's in control now? Baelish is gone. Uh, does. Uh, Lord Royce uh, have have a say. Uh, the other elders of uh, the Vale, do they have a say, or would it come down to Sansa convincing Robin Aaron to get involved in the fight? I don't know, but if the Night King's going to try to take the Vale, we're definitely going to have to see our brave little Robin. 
All right, guys, that is the weekend edition of Daily Thrones. I want to thank you for listening to it. We had fun with some weird theories talking about secondary characters. We could gonna, we're going to keep talking about secondary characters during this week, but uh, I am also ready for the next topics you guys call in. Where do we want to take the discussion and conversation as we head towards Season 8, which is still a long ways away? Do we gonna, we, I know we're going to dig into those books, but hey, do you want to start digging into some book stuff now? Let me know. You guys help drive this station forward. That said, I may be a little spotty with my broadcast in the next day or two. I've got some dental surgery in my future, my near future, like tomorrow morning. That's the time of this recording. So if you're listening to the daily uh, podcast on Apple Podcasts or Google Play, that might uh, lead to some delays. And if you're listening here on the Anchor app, uh, you might not see broadcasts as regularly over the next couple of days because I just might not be able to communicate but you guys can keep calling in i want to hear your thoughts your suggestions your stories and what are we talking about this week here on david thrones i'm 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 calling in the banners i might need some help to hear a little bit more from you guys this week but i'll be all right we'll see you guys daily thrones here